So God's already been good here. Let's get all that he's got and let's take hold of it. Mark chapter 9. I finished this sermon about you know, four weeks ago, but I couldn't finish it. I just thought, well, that, we'll leave it there. But I just want to do maybe one more. I, I was going to say, let's do the last one, but I probably would have said that the one before, maybe even the one before that. So I won't be as, as committed to this, but there's this one thing, one thing that has... I remember years and years ago, you know, over 20 years ago, studying this out, and this particular thing that Jesus said just grabbed me and has helped me so much in my Christian walk. I really wanted to give you the opportunity to get the same benefit. All right, I wanted you to be able to get the same help that I've got. So we're not going to go in the story for background. We've been preaching over this over the last you know few weeks, um, talking about when the disciples could not get a boy set free, and they came, and the, the father came to Jesus and said, "Help me! The, the disciples are useless. They they can't do it. Please help me." And then last time, last week, it was the fact that Jesus stood there and preached with to him and talked to him whilst the boy was throwing a fit. And then Jesus took took umbrage at the way that the um, the father was speaking to him. He was saying, "If you can do anything, take pity on us." He's like, "If you can, all things are possible to him who believes." He was trying to shift the, the father's attention. So then when he saw a crowd gathering, Jesus said, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him up, and, he got, and the boy got up. When he had come into the house, so this is Luke chapter 9, verse 28 now, when he had come into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. This kind. This kind. This kind can't come out by anything but by prayer. That phrase, this kind, Jesus drew a distinction between what the disciples were facing in this situation with obviously what they had faced in previous situations. Now remember, if I go back to Mark chapter 6, verse 13, let's read what the disciples had already faced and already been able to deal with people with. Verse 13 of chapter 6 says, The disciples were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. So the disciples were well, um, well experienced in dealing with demonic problems that were causing sickness and seeing people get healed. They're facing what they think is another of the same. And Jesus said, this kind, this kind. And I've always been fascinated with that concept that he would say this kind because it meant that Jesus was categorizing things and there was differences in dealing with certain things compared with other things. And... Um, I realized that I also had categories. I had simple sicknesses and I had serious sicknesses. Normally, my category would be based on something like how easy it is to get over this, how long the symptoms would last even if I didn't pray for you. You know, there's some things if I pray for you, like a headache, 
It might go away by itself in 12 hours. It might not, but you know, it's, it's not that. But a broken bone, well, I know that's, um, that's not going to go away in a few hours by itself, but if it's been set in a cast, if it's been looked after, you just give it a few weeks, a few, couple of months maybe, and then it's fully restored. So that, to me, I, I'm, I'm categorizing by how long something would take and how long it would, whether I, my prayer would heal it or speed up the healing. But then you have other things which are like, oh, that's serious. Someone comes to you and says, doctors told me this. You go, oh, that's serious. That's just not just going to go away. That's a, a much more you know, expensive thing to deal with or impossible thing to deal with. See, I'm, I'm gauging it by my level of understanding of how difficult it is. But to be honest, all of them are the same to me. I can't heal any of them. Do you know what I mean? He- healing a common cold and healing cancer, I have no more ability. Common, just because common cold is easier doesn't mean I can do it. I, I'm, I'm totally incapable of healing anybody or of anything. But it, it, if someone came up to you, just think about this, and they said, I have this, see, see, see how much your heart flips by the seriousness of it. And you've, you've automatically put a category on it, which is different. I do not believe that's what Jesus was doing. He said, boy, this is a really serious one. He's saying this kind. And what he was doing was saying, in order to deal with this, there is a particular path to deal with this particular category of situation. That word kind is the word, a Greek word, genos. Um, it's where, where we get our genealogy from, get genes. It's you know, sort of do with family and, and who you are. And um, it, it broadly means you know, offspring and family. And in particular circumstances, when, and, and as it's being used right here, it means the kind, the sort, or the species. This species of sickness, <laughs> this particular kind of sickness, has to be dealt with in this particular way. And before that, I just thought sickness was sickness. Prayer was prayer. You just put the two together and you get an answer. But Jesus is saying this one needed to be dealt with differently. And if you'd gone into prayer and prayed beforehand, you would have got what you needed, the faith and the answer to deal with this particular kind. And so I want you to start realizing that what you are facing is different kinds of resistance, different kinds of problems, different kinds of sicknesses, different kinds. But don't categorize them like you would if you went to some sort of natural book or some sort of biology book or some sort of just how, you know, how, how much we base it on, on how severe the symptoms are. Can you get by with it? Can you live with it? You know, well, if it's, if it's a broken bone, are you in pain? It's in a cast, it'll mend itself. That's low-level need of prayer. <laughs> if this one is agonizing, there's no help, this is, needs great prayer. That, that actually doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, we've seen bones mended. Remember we had um, Richard went home. He was a young teenager when he came here and took his cast off. He had an unsaved family and it was like, he just said, don't need this. And he was healed. 
Remember we had someone that fell and they, they landed, um, they tripped over and landed arm out, which broke their, is that a collarbone up there? Went to the doctor, had the x-rays, could see the, the break. We had prayer. They went back, got re-x-rayed, and the break was missing. The, 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 the x-ray was like, this is not, got the wrong x-ray. <laughs> the line's gone. <laughs> Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. But some, um, but what I want you to do is not categorize using your natural mind, using your natural, what you're facing, what you're thinking. I want you to start to realize, saying, God, I want you to guide me. This is why the disciples said, well, we just did what we did before and it didn't work. And there's a danger in saying you're dealing with the same thing because it looks the same. This was, this was a, a sickness that looked like the sicknesses they dealt with. You know, I could say, well, I know, how to deal with, <laughs> I know how to deal with broken bones now because we had prayer and I, and I remember what I said and I will just say exactly the same words and we will get exactly the same result. How many of that won't work? Because it might not be the same kind of broken bone. Oh, you mean what's in the elbow or it's down in the knee? No, I'm not talking that kind. I'm talking about what I'm facing spiritually could be different. All right, um... Turn with me to 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 5. I want, you to, um, I want you to learn something from David, a really good lesson from David. 2 Samuel, chapter Um, well, let's read the, the, the story because I think having the background will help you. Verse 17, David has just become king over all of Israel, north and south together. They're united for once under David's kingship. Verse 17, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king of Israel, all the Philistines sent congratulatory messages and gifts to David to say, you're anointed, you're amazing, all power to you, well done. That's not in the Bible. If you're not following along, you think, oh, that sounds pretty nice of them. No. When they heard that he was anointed king over all of Israel, the Philistines went up to seek out David. Like when they said seek out, they're sending an army to kill him and, and, and work against him. All right? Seek out was not like, oh, David, we're looking for you. Sometimes you get the biggest breakthrough. You're anointed to be this. It's under God's power. And the enemy's response is to come and seek you out. <laughs> well done, enemy. You know, the enemy's the enemy. They'll do what they do. Okay? Just don't, don't get upset. Just be ready to do what David did. The Philistines came, verse 18, spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. And then David inquired from, of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said, David, go up. I will certainly give the Philistines in your hand. So David came to Baal Perazim, which that's Baal Perazim is the Hebrew for the Lord of the breakthrough, the master of breaking through. That's got a close spot in my heart. Wonder why? Because we're breakthrough church people. God told us to be, to be bringing his breakthroughs. And so this scripture is very close to our heart. David came to Baal Perazim and defeated them there. 
And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal Perizim, master of breakthroughs, Lord of the breakthrough. And the Philistines abandoned their idols there to David, his men, and his men carried them away. And in 1 Chronicles 14, it says, repeating this story, it says, and, and they burned them. So gathered the idols and burnt them. Wow, he's got the breakthrough. He knows how to get the breakthrough. What do you do? The enemy comes. You go straight at them, hit them hard, and get the master of breakthroughs breaking through. He's done it. He's got, the, he's got the answer. You don't want to just get the answer and accidentally also get something else, which is the method, and, forget, and, and get them mixed up. He got the answer for that situation. I think, oh, I've also discovered the method. Praise God. Look at verse 22. The Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. Hello, we know what to do. We know what to do. David inquired of the Lord. And God said, you shall not go directly up. You will circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam, tre balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees. Then you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. So David did so, just as the Lord had commanded him, and struck down the Philistines. And it was a, from Giba as far as Giza. Woo! Giba to Giza. Uh, that's about 25 kilometers. That's a significant battle strip. You know, they got big victory. That's what I was saying. It was a huge victory. What an amazing approach from David. David and David inquired of the Lord again. Am I to do it the same way? Because it all looks the same. It all looks like it's exactly the same. Same enemy, same place, same reason. So we should just do the same thing. But not every kind is the same. That's where the disciples, they hit it the same way and they couldn't get the result. And he says, because this kind needed you to go get something in prayer and in, to build up your faith and to develop faith for this kind. This kind. It's, I want you to, to understand that when Jesus looked at situations, he was not just seeing cookie-cutter problems. He was seeing kinds of problems and working out how to deal with them and what to do. Do you remember there's some of them where he took some clay and he smeared it on the eyes? But did he do it every time? No. There was, why, why did he need to do it that time in that way? There was a kind of situation that needed that kind of response. Um, go with me to Matthew chapter 10. So this is a scripture that I hadn't sort of paid much attention to until we were studying discipling and, and really digging into it. And something I noticed that I'd never seen before, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, when Jesus summoned his 12 disciples, it says he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. Actually, if you, if you read that in the Greek, the word over is not really there in the sense. It, this is how it reads. He gave them authority. Unclean spirits, cast them out. Sounds, really, sounds better. He gave them authority. Unclean spirits, cast them out. And to heal. Now, now this thinking through this, 
what we've been talking about, just listen to the language. To heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. He gave them authority not just to deal with sickness and disease and demonic opposition, but every kind of demonic oppression, every kind of sickness. Now, if you just look through that through the lens of the natural, you mean all, all manner of diseases, like you know every type of disease, but looking through the eyes of what Jesus sees, he says, I'm giving you authority over all the different kinds. All the kinds, that you, you've got authority to deal with all of the kinds. That's why Jesus was frustrated with the disciples, because they had been given authority over all the kinds. They had been given authority over all the kinds, but they had taken a cookie-cutter approach of their response and not looked to the Lord to get how to deal with this one in particular. And so how to actually deal with this, what to do about this, how to, how to confront this. You know, because there's multiple ways when you look at the Word of God, and I'm not saying oh, what you do is just sort of um, try and find something that matches your circumstances and, and then just do it. Because like we said with David, that looked identical. The circumstances looked identical. So I'm not saying broken bones deal with this way, headaches deal with this way. No, it's not those kinds. They're, um, that's, I don't want you to put them into your natural order. I want you to be saying, Lord, what, how do I deal with this kind? I want you to um, look at with me Proverbs chapter 4. One of the best pieces of advice I ever received came from the Bible. In fact, lots of my best advice has come from the Bible. But this one was pointed out to me through the teaching of Kenneth, hey, uh, Kenneth Copeland. Sorry, Kenneth Copeland. He, he brought this truth to me and it was like, this has been so helpful. Proverbs 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Huh? That's the best advice? Um, the King James points it out. It says, like, wisdom is the principal thing. Message Bible. Above all and before all, get wisdom. New Living Translation. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. <laughs> wisdom is the principal thing. It's the first place to start. When you fit, when you, it starts with the fear of God. It starts with putting God in his right place. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's where it starts. It starts by treating God and his word totally seriously. I still remember that. I, I got that definition from the Holy Spirit who helped me as a parent. Because one of our children, I think it was Caleb when he was very young, we was, I can still remember it, we were up in, um, in, in Forest Hill, we're upstairs and the kids are up there in the bedroom, they're talking, and I said, Dad, what is the fear of God? You know, what is the fear of God? And I'm like, how do I explain this in a way that's, and, I just, and this answer came. It says, it's taking God and his word totally seriously, very seriously. Taking God and what he says very, very seriously. And I remember thinking, I should write that down. That's actually pretty good. Because that is what the fear of God is. It's taking him seriously. 
and what he says totally seriously. It's not fear and trembling. It's not like I'm scared of God. But I take what he says seriously, really seriously. I, you know, and that, and um, that's why the that's why we still need you know, love casts out all fear. Well, all fear that's carnal, demonic fear, wrong kind of fear. This is not the wrong kind of fear. This is the type of fear that we need to have in the body of Christ today, where we take God seriously, totally take his word seriously. You know, some people have misunderstood that just because God says he loves us, that I don't need to fear him anymore. No, I don't need to fear death, and I don't need to fear eternal death because of what he's done, because his love and his work of love has cast that out. But I tell you what I don't get over is the fear of who he is and that he is totally serious. Because if I just say that he loves me and then don't take him seriously, I'm in a bad place. So Christians who say, oh, because God loves me, I don't fear him, don't understand. That's not what God's asking for. So anyway... You can just get that as a bonus. Um, maybe, I just, maybe I just need to give you a scripture for that. Just going to skip on, but Luke chapter 12. Maybe somebody here or watching needs to hear this a little bit more clearly. Luke chapter 12, verse 4. Remember we talked about how, you know, discipleship is sliding, you know, choosing, and how the disciples in the book of John said, uh, not the disciples, the Pharisees, they feared man's opinion more than they feared God. You know, it's a, it's a comparison thing. Well, here's another one of these sliding things. It's really, discipleship is full of sliding, and you've got to make choices. Um, you know, sometimes I'm asked, okay, I'm getting into some dangerous territory here, but you can handle it, can't you? Yeah, all right. Give it to me. We're Aussies. Tell us to us straight. Don't don't mess around. Don't try and don't try and speak from the side. You know, I've got to guess what you're meaning. All right. Sometimes I'm asked a question, and and I know that I'm being it's just like Jesus because people ask Jesus questions and they're setting him up. You know, what I mean? and it's like ah. So if if someone said to me something like um um you know, and this has happened to me. I'm not putting names to it, I'm just saying. Um, I didn't come to church today, Pastor, because the Bible says we should look after ourselves, and I was really tired, and, you know, and, and I'm not, I won't, I'm, I'm going to try and protect myself answering all the side things, so I'll just say. And they say, oh, I was really tired, and you know, the Bible tells us to protect ourselves and look after our bodies and be, you know, be care for us. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? I dare you to say not. I dare you to say, you know, I dare you to say that's not what the Bible says or not what God wants. Or, you know, um, I was looking, I, I, you know, I had to care for my family. You know, family, how important it is to look at, you know, to connect with family. Well, it is important to connect with family. It is important to look after yourself. It is a good get the right, it is important to get the right amount of sleep. It is important to, to love your family. It is important. Those things are all important. But you're, you're talking to me as if it's a button. So you've got one button on or one button off. And, and looking after your family is the button. 
you're asking me a question and you're making me push a button. It's important to do this, isn't it? Push the button. The question is, is it more important than something else? Don't ask me, is it important? Because I agree with you it's important. I'm on your, I, I agree. But the question is not, is it important? Was it, was it more important than something else you should have been doing that God wanted you to do? That's a different question, but not one people were wanting to ask. They wanted to corner me and make me say, you shouldn't care for your body. You shouldn't love your family. You shouldn't take care of this. You shouldn't do this. And that's just dumb because those are things that God tells us to do. You know, to love, the, you know um, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't, if you don't love yourself, you, you can't love others effectively. And so the, you know, people go, God told us to love ourselves, didn't he, pastor? So I was looking after myself. Told us to love ourselves. I know that scripture. But it's a slider. It's not a button. Is it the only thing he says to look after? And what, and what things does he say to slide bigger? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you some of the ultimate sliders. Love God all the way. Love the kingdom of God and seek it all the way. And if something gets in the way of those things, they're wrong. And I'm saying it more gently than what Jesus said, because he said, if a man does not hate his mother and his father, he's not worthy to be my disciple. If you're a button presser, you don't know what to do with that statement. Because he says, hate your mother and your father. He says, oh no, sorry. Hate your mother, your father, your wife, your kids. I'm like, what? Now he's just getting personal. But he said these things. All right? The kids are looking at the parents right now. Mom? Mom, really? Do you hate me? Yeah, when it's a slider. Because you, 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 you can find this all through when Jesus is talking about discipleship. If he says, if you will, you know, remember the, remember the guy that came to him and said, I want to follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. He says, when there's sliders, never put something above seeking me. Never do it. Is it wrong to bury someone? Is it wrong to do? No. He said, but when you make a choice to slide in the opposite direction, you're not worthy. And so he was really tough on this. But if people see it as buttons, that are, if you want to follow me, sell all you have, give it to the poor. Oh, no. But that's, the sort of, that's how he talked. He talked about this extreme sliding. So we, if you think I'm getting a little bit tough when I say, oh, you know, I, you should do this, but you should love God more and seek him more. That's exactly the way Jesus talked, in fact, with bucket loads more. Luke 12, verse 4. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do to. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
good thing that's in the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, good thing that was Moses, not Jesus. Otherwise, we'd be all in trouble, wouldn't we? But do you hear that? Jesus! I'll tell you who to fear. Fear God. I'll tell you who to slide the fear right down on. Is fear what people think about you. Fear, don't fear them. Hey, they can kill you, but that's the worst they can do to you. And to some people, that's like, no, that is the worst. God says, that's not the worst. I'll tell you the worst is they, what happens to you after that. That is the worst. He said, they can kill you, but they can't do anything else. I'm like, well, excuse me. That is pretty bad. I'm sort of, you know, I don't, I don't want to be. Now we say, oh, does Jesus not protect and all that? That's not an issue. Of, this is not an issue of protection. It's an issue of sliders. Where's your heart concerned about? What are you concerned about? What's worrying you? Do you really get concerned what people think? What that, what effect? Well, we need to run it through the slide of who do we really give our fear to? Well, we've got to fear God because this is an eternal issue. He's the one that can deal with it eternally. So, um, seeking wisdom is the main thing. It starts with putting God and who he is in our full, in his fully rightful place. Not as a cowering child. Hebrews chapter 10, put paid to that. Hebrews 10, I'm going to read it just so no one here goes away and thinks, I've told them just to be fearful like of, a, of, of an abusive father. Totally different. This is not that. Hebrews 10. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence. We can come in boldly to the throne room. He's made a way for us to come in. This is not a cowering in the corner. He's told us to come right in with a freedom, a cleansing of our conscience that we can look at him in the eye. We can call him Abba, dear daddy. So not a fear that means that we cower, but a fear that draws us in, a fear that is just so cleansing and pure. There's nothing like being clean before God. I can still remember as a teenager when up in Yarrawonga, having an encounter with God where I gave him my all, stopped struggling with my sin and just gave it to him and laying in bed and feeling as if I've been purged from the inside out. There is nothing like that feeling of being clean and right before God. The fear of God, the holiness of God had come, but I wasn't destroyed. His grace had meant that I was able to stand and see him in his glory and, and, enjoy, and, and be in wonder and joy of it. It's amazing. It's, an, it's the holy cleansing of God that doesn't destroy you because the grace of God gives us a path through to stand and call him daddy in the midst of it. But you are so, so clean. There's no description. There's nothing that could compare with being inwardly right before God. So, Chapter 4, verse 7. We go back to Proverbs now. The beginning of wisdom. Get wisdom. New Living Translation. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. 
getting God's understanding in mind how to deal with this particular situation. God, what's our answer here? Because when you look in the Bible, there's so many different ways that people were healed. You know, Jesus would... Now remember the centurion had sent his... his um, uh, some, I think, Jewish representatives were sent on his behalf. And he said, don't bother coming, Jesus. Just, just speak the word. Just say the word. That's all that's needed, Jesus. And Jesus said, wow, who is this guy? He understands. He understands how authority works. Let's get this done. Or the woman with the issue of blood, who she was saying to herself, if I just touch his garment, I will be healed. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And he's coming through a crowded place, and she gets in there, and she touches the hem of the garment, and power flows, and Jesus goes, who touched me? Because someone was saying, if I just touch the hem of his if I can just touch. Or like Job, it says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored unto him. When he did this, something happened here. Or when Jesus was speaking to the ten lepers, and he said, go and show yourself. And it says, as they went, as they obeyed what he told them to do, as they were in that act of obedience, they suddenly realized as they were going, they got healed. Sometimes he will tell you something to do. And as you do what he tells you to do, the breakthrough comes. There are so many different ways. It says, call the elders of the church. Come and lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. And it says, you confess to them. If you've got things that are blocking, things that are messing the, the, the process, get it dealt with. It says in the book of James, if you have sin, then confess it. Not you have sin, you've done the wrong thing. I'm not saying every time you pray for someone, you say, okay, brother, what's your hidden sin? You wouldn't be sick if you weren't sinful. Well, I, I came up here because I've, I've got a sniffly nose. Aha! Come on, tell me your sin. I don't think I've got a sin. Not every sickness is a sin. But, not every, but some, some sicknesses are connected to a sin. And because that kind needs to be dealt with in a different way than another kind. Do you understand? You've got to understand. But you can't, you can't grab hold of one method and say, because I experienced breakthrough in that way... Yeah, have have use it to all its effect. Do it, you know, be be great with it. You know, it's like the woman who was struggling with a particular. She, she's she's got a problem in her home, and she goes, "God, what to do?" He says, "Bake a cake for your neighbour." Now, my neighbour's not got the problem. The problem here, but she's like, "It's funny." So she bakes a fruit cake, beautiful fruit. Takes it to a neighbour when she comes home. God's done something in her home. So, she starts making fruitcakes for everybody. Everyone at church gets a fruitcake. Because she now thinks that this is the way to go. That's how fruitcake ministry starts. <laughs> People who take things to the wrong extreme can get into error. We've all experienced the fruitcake ministry. <laughs> I've experienced people that have just 
they see demons under every bush. And, and you know, I'm, not, I'm talking about people coming to the church and they're telling me all the demons they've seen on this person, this person, this person. I'm like, really? You must have been looking pretty hard. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I know demonic problems can be an issue. But it's not the the issue of all issues, and it's not in every situation, not every sickness. You know, there's sicknesses, and there's, but there are sicknesses caused by demonic influence. And we, I spoke a number of weeks ago. Maybe we can put a link up to it. Where, in weeks, months and months ago, had demonic strongholds aren't all about people frothing at the mouth and and you know running around in cemeteries. There's demonic influences that can influence and be involved in sicknesses i've become more aware when i'm praying for people not to just throw that part out be aware of it i'm aware that when jesus was dealing with this boy in mark chapter 9 he actually said something very interesting he rebuked the demon he said the deaf and dumb spirit come out but then he also said and do not enter him again and god's like you you you're not doing that there are times when I will pray, but I'm not wise enough to know the what type I'm dealing with, and I'm leaving the door open for a return. There are some things where Jesus closed the door to the return. I also realize it says that Jesus prayed for that demonic spirit, cast it out. How many know what happens when Jesus casts the spirit? It goes like that. Except that the boy went into a fit. The demon threw him into a final fit. I'm like, how did the demon get away with a final fit in front of Jesus? I would have thought that, you know, when Jesus does it, you're looking at me a little bit strange. Just, just look, go back and look at Mark chapter 9. We'll finish here. I'm not making these things up. They're here. Um, Mark 9, 26, after, it was 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. It's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 terrible convulsion. Uh, so come out. So it does some convulsions, it does terrible things, and then it goes out. It's like, on the way out, it does some nasty stuff. You know, one of the things God told me, don't get scared when a symptom just hangs on for a little bit and think, oh, mustn't, mustn't, mustn't have got the answer. Even when, even Jesus casting something out, there was some stuff on the, happened on the outward trail. All right, so I'm praying for someone. Don't get too wound up if the symptoms are still there for a little bit. Just believe it's gone. Sometimes it just, it just takes a bit. I remember um, many years ago, I had a word that was burning my heart. It was when Richard was here, so Richard Anderson, and he was um, must have been playing his French horn. We had a French horn in our worship team. We had two French horns. Like, who has a French horn? And we had two of them. Thanks to Blackburn High School and their brass band, the kids that got saved came bringing their instruments. So we had two French horns. So they're playing. So Richard's on the stage. God puts a word on me, a word, gives me a word. It's going to heal Richard. Going through a particular battle. I can't remember exactly what it was. I, I, neck pain. He, he couldn't turn his neck. He had been having problems with his neck. 
shoulders are all locked up. Good. God told me, he's going to get healed, going to get healed, going to get healed. I'm excited. You know, when you get a word of knowledge, you're excited. Richard, come on out. So I am pumped. I pray for him. And we rebuke and speak, and I can't remember exactly what I did, but sorry, okay. And Richard looks at me and goes, no change. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's wrong answer. <laughs> so I could think, this hasn't worked. But now, if I read the scripture, I could think, how dare you hang on for a little bit while you're leaving? <laughs> how dare you give one last grab hold of this situation before you go? Not, oh, it didn't work, you know. If it was Jesus, it, he'd be... excited. If it was Jesus, Richard would be turning his neck left, right, and said, no. So I'm like, oh. so I, you know what I didn't do is just give up. It's like, let's pray again. I, I knew what God was. But now, now I am working only by faith. I have no sense whatsoever. <laughs> you know, for the first time, all the senses are in agreement. We're going to see a healing. Now I am doing it purely by faith. My eyes, my ears, my hands are like, no, nothing's happening here, boy. We're in real big trouble. So I said, no, we're praying and, and everyone's coming into submission and we're all going to do it right. I'm not going to say, oh, anything negative. We're going to do this. I pray for Richard. And he's like, oh. I felt nothing. I felt no power of God. I felt nothing. The first time I'd felt the power of God. That's why I was, I was convinced. Second time I feel nothing. And Richard goes, oh. All the pain's gone. All free. I understand better now. He was healed. Sometimes you just get the after. So just one last symptom on the way out. But let's not say, oh dear. God's not working. Because this kind, this kind just gave me a bit of trouble on the way through. But that's where you need wisdom, you need the grace, you need faith, you need an understanding of God. So you're not treating every situation the same. You need to know what God's saying. And like I said, I'm learning. Sometimes I'm praying now. I'm not addressing the sickness, I'm addressing the spirit that's behind it. Not every time, and I'm not like getting weird. It's just because that's, that's better wisdom. To be able to have wisdom that shows me, God, what's happening here. And also then being able to pray and say, don't you come back. Wisdom, how to deal with that kind. Because that kind apparently can come back. So the disciples didn't know how to get through that kind, but Jesus said, if you would just spend time in prayer and building your faith, we've spoken about that. Those two were all linked together. So my answer to you is to learn what David did and say, what do I do in this situation? Yes, what do I do here? What do I do here? What's the answer here in this situation. My instruction to you is do what the book of Proverbs says and make wisdom your principal pursuit. Wisdom is the principal thing that you look for in any situation you deal with. Because you know what? You could be praying and you say, I rebuke this skin condition in my feet. You know, the, the, I rebuke it, I bind it. And the Lord says the word shampoo. What, I'm meant to wash my feet? I know they're hairy, but they're not that bad. You know, like... 
No, what's God saying? He's giving you some wisdom. What do you mean shampoo? Change your shampoo. I'm not washing my feet. Yeah, but when you stand in a shower, guess what, buddy? The soap residue is all around your feet. There's something in that shampoo that is causing this. Ah, wisdom is the principal thing. It's not a demon to rebuke. It's a shampoo to change. <laughs> it's a transplant. So you've got you to you sometimes ask God, what is, the, what is the principal thing in this situation? Lord, what's the answer in this situation? Then not get locked. When God gives you an answer, share it, enjoy it, rejoice over it. Sometimes it's praise and worship. You know, the children of Israel, they sent the singers and musicians out first. Paul and Silas are in prison singing and praising the Lord. That is a good thing. You know, to be honest, whether you get wisdom or not, you can start there. <laughs> Because that's just nice to do. I think God likes it. If you're praising him for the answer, he says, I can work with this. Now I'll give you the wisdom you need to deal with it. But maybe the praise and worship has opened up for you to hear what you need. Like I said, I wasn't just, you know, I wasn't just saying words. I was actually very serious at the start of this meeting. I said, there have been so many times, it's been in this time when we've been praising the Lord and ministering to him, that an answer has come which has turned the situation around. As I've been worshipping him, the wisdom has come. The wisdom is what I needed, but I didn't know what I needed. I just knew to get it before God, and as I was getting before God, God could drop something in the heart. He could do it anywhere, but he just loves to do it in his presence. And when I'm giving him position, I'm giving him the honor. When I'm loving him and fearing him. You know, we, we're here and we're worshipping him with all our heart. That's part of our fear. Because we're honoring him. You know, it, it, fear is not a, a bad thing. It's just, a, it's just a right heart attitude. And then, just like God said to David, the Lord said to him, this time, do it this way. This time, this time, this time. New English translation. This time, the Lord said to him, don't march straight up. Instead, circle around. So, let me pray for you. Because these kinds, where Father, we're aware. We, we think of what Paul told the Corinthian church: to not be ignorant of the devil's devices, to not be um, not aware of the way the devil does things. He was speaking there of strife. Strife is one of the devil's methods. And I thank you, Father, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices because you give us wisdom. You show us. You lead us. You direct us. You give us the answers. And, Father, I thank you. We look forward to multiple testimonies. Jesus is here moments. Lord, not just saying this is what God did, but saying look at how God has worked in all these different ways. He had the right answer he had the right method. He had the right pathway for me to get the victory. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. I pray right now. I sense in my heart there's people that they're saying, I wish I knew what the answer was. You're almost clenching your teeth. I'm trying to find the answer. I wish I knew. Not to know for lack for asking. Father, I thank you. Just a calm and a peace to come upon me. I declare to you that God has your answer more in his heart than you do. Relax.
just get in the place and minister to the Lord, worship Him, and just say, Lord, I'm giving myself the time where you can speak. I'm not demanding you speak. I'm just giving myself the time and the place where you will. Put a pen and paper next to you. You can always say, Lord, I'm always ready if you want to speak. Sometimes you do that, and it's when you're driving to the shops the next day, the answer drops in your heart. But it's the position you've placed yourself in. So I speak peace to people in Jesus' name. I thank you the answers will come, because that's what you've promised. You said, if anybody needs wisdom, just to ask and believe. Not to, not to doubt in any way, and you would show them the wisdom they need. We take that promise, and we look for it to be manifest in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.